welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship gathering at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Please sit back and enjoy our teaching time now with Lead Pastor John Buckley. take your Bibles with me today and turn to 1 John. We are in the last chapter in 1 John 5. Our series on 1 John is quickly coming to an end. We only have a couple more messages. We'll be ending it about mid-December, and then we're going to be picking up um, a new one. Our new series, we're going to be uh, rolling out to you a little bit more uh, focused uh, what's going to be on it, but we're going to go through the book of Matthew, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, it's always exciting. I don't think since we started the church, if I, my records are correct, we haven't gone through one of the Gospels, so it should be a lot of fun as we tackle the book of Matthew. 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one from the seat in front of you. It's page 1304. There should be Bibles underneath the chairs there in front of you, page 1304. If you use the... Uh, the U version on your phone, uh, if you go down to the bottom right-hand corner and click on that, and then go to the events and type in Upper Perk Church, the outline for the message is on that as well, if that helps you out. <clears throat> I want to talk today about marks of an overcomer. So you got to ask yourself, when you hear the word overcomer, what would be some descriptive words, adjectives that would come to your mind when you hear the word overcomer? What are some of those? You can speak out. This is okay. Champion. Well, now at the same time. Champion. I heard somebody else. They come to your house. They come to your house. Thank you, Rod. <laughs> Rod, Rod, Rod. <clears throat> yes, Colleen. Faith. faith. Okay. People of faith. Yes. Perseverance. Perseverance. Underdog. Underdog. Yeah. Strong. What? Strong. Strong. Victorious. Victorious. Fighter. What was that one? Trials. Trials. Deal with trials. Now, you know, it's interesting. Nobody here said anything that would connotate a loser, a discouraged person, a throw in the towel. Overcomers are ones that conquer. They go through difficulties. They go through hard times. But they keep going. They have perseverance. They take on the trials. They claim the victory that they are intended to do. They become overcomers. And God's intent for each and every one of us is to not live a defeated life. And we, and we got to break that lie that the devil gets us sometimes. This life that God has given to us graciously, he intends for us to be an overcomer in, to be a champion. Because in many ways, we are look like, Donnie said, the underdogs. And yet we have this power that this world doesn't understand, and we live oftentimes like we don't have access to that power. I've used this illustration before, but if we were um, to say, hey, guess what? We have a brand new... Porsche sport coupe that's downstairs. There's probably not even a Porsche sport coupe. I just threw that in there because it sounds sporty. Uh-huh. And, and so we have that. And I said, we're going to give it away uh, to somebody in the service. And you all had a number and we called a number out. And, you know, Lisa Kuyper gets it and she's all excited. She's always wanted a Porsche. And she runs downstairs after the service and we all get around and we take pictures and she gets in and puts the key in and turns it and nothing. Kind of embarrassing, awkward, turns again, nothing. Somebody finally pops the hood and there's no engine there. I would imagine that Lisa's enthusiasm would drop rapidly at that point. I don't know how much Porsches are worth of scrap metal or not, but I'm guessing a lot less than when they have an engine in them. 
You and I sometimes in our Christian lives live like we don't have that engine, Jesus Christ. And we have this power to overcome whatever because he is in us, not because us. We're like the shell of a Porsche. But when Christ, that engine, everything changes. And we just want to really focus because John, as he wraps up his letter and, and, and shares this with the Jewish folks that he was talking to, he really hits on that. And so we're going to go over some marks of an overcomer today. The first mark of an overcomer is you will love God. You will love God. First John, first John 5 verse 1 says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. I love that this verse says everyone who does this, no one is left out. There are no extra layers that you have to go through. And that one group of people, because you're poor, you have five more layers. And you're rich, you have five less layers. Because you're tall, you have this many. And you're short, because you come from a functional home or a dysfunctional. There isn't any layers, folks. It's anyone who comes, it says here. And the key is, if you believe. So, what does the word believe mean? We've got to ask that question. The word believe means to place confidence in. To place confidence in. So in what, are, in what uh, area of our life, or excuse me, in, in who are we placing our confidence? In what are we placing our confidence? See, in this verse, what does it say again? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. That's where that belief is. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? He was not a good man, just a good man. He was not a prophet or just a prophet. He wasn't just a teacher. He was and is Christ. He's Christ. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He was born from the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life. And he died a cruel, torturous death so that the chains of sin, hell, and the grave could be broken and you and I might have eternal life. If we acknowledge that you're a sinner and ask Christ to forgive you of those sins, having confidence that he alone saves you, you become a child of God. Or as the verse here says, what? You are born of God. Everyone, anybody who believes, who understands that steps I just laid out to you, that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. The difference between just knowing about him and accepting him is crossing from knowledge to crossing into a relationship. And going from knowing about God to knowing where I'm a sinner who needs a savior and I accept him into my life. That's what we're talking about. John, as he's laid out over and over again, this is what a Christian is. And this is what we're supposed to be about because salvation comes through believing. It comes through believing. And believing means embracing his plan for salvation. You can't just make up your own plan. One of the reasons we have some of the schisms in our world is because there's people that add to salvation, there's people that take away from salvation, there's people that water down salvation. The only way we should define salvation is the way the scriptures define salvation. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, which includes you and I, that anybody, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes on him, believe again that word, that understanding of who he is, not just academically, but relationally, but whoever believes on him shall not perish eternal damnation, but have everlasting life. 
everlasting life. Believing means embracing his plan for salvation. So my question to you, first off, is have you embraced his plan and are you his child? If not, today could become your spiritual birthday. If you are a Christian, are you living in the power that comes with being a Christian? Are you living like an overcomer? The second mark of an overcomer is continued on in verse 1 and into verse 2, and that's this, you will love your siblings. You will love your siblings. I see people looking at their children, each other now. I don't love my sibling. <clears throat> and the reason I say siblings is because if we are children of God, we are brothers and sisters, the Bible says. And again, 1 John 5, he says, has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we, ha- that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. See, you love your siblings. You can't love God and not love your siblings. It says it right here. As the passage continues, there's this natural progression. As you embrace, <clears throat> as you embrace Christ as your Savior, you will love the Father. Now, why the Father? Why doesn't it say you're going to love Christ? Because the Father is the one that sent Christ to be the Savior of the world. So we love the Father because of he, him sending his Son. And if you love the Father, the Bible says here, you're going to love your siblings. You're going to love your siblings. Those are others who have a personal relationship with Christ. It's not a maybe clause in here, folks. It's a, excuse me, it's a have-to clause. You will love your siblings if you love your father, and you're going to love your father if you're a child of God because he sent the son that you and I might have redemption. But we have to remember this, too. Love is an action verb. Love is an action verb. You can't say you love someone and then do nothing about it. Now, maybe some of you remember this. Do you remember that first person that you felt like you loved? Remember that? I was like in third grade, I think, maybe younger, I don't remember. But I remember there's this girl at school, I don't remember her name, so you can see the impact that it had on me. <clears throat> I remember it was her, and I remember that she had this friend of hers that was bigger than me, this other girl. Not bigger as in, had just tell me, she was stronger than me, so I was scared of the girl because I thought she was kind of her bodyguard. And you know, the first thing you do when you like somebody at that age, I know they don't do that anymore because we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. Yes, I did not live with Abraham Lincoln, but I am a little on the older side, I'll admit that. But we would take these pieces of paper and you would make this little thing and you'd say, do you like me and have them check a box, yes or no? Very romantic. Anybody here ever do that besides me? Okay, see ya, there we go. And you give it, now I couldn't just give it to her, I had to give it to her bodyguard to give it to her, so she probably read it on the way. I was too scared to give it to her. I thought I would just go, oh, you know, look stupider than I already felt in the situation. I remember giving it to her, and she gives it to uh, the girl, and she looks at it, and I'm looking across the lunchroom, you know, and she looked over towards me, and I kind of made one of those. I thought it was a cool wave, like, hi, but it probably looked just really goofy, you know, kind of a thing. And she checked the box and gave it to her bodyguard, and she brought it over to me and handed it to me, and she said, yes, she liked me. Oh, my goodness. Now, just liking someone, all that means is you've acknowledged feelings. It doesn't mean you actually talk to each other anymore. <laughs> she, I mean, she lived outside of town. I lived in town. You know, my, you know, we didn't call on the phone. It would just kind of see each other and go like, hi. You know? Sometimes we'd like sit by each other in assembly or something and, you know, all these feelings. And I, so Valentine's Day came. So I had to do something for my girlfriend. Woo, you know, I have a girlfriend. And 
So I got a box of chocolates. I was so excited about it. And I brought the box of chocolates to school. And it took me a while. My mom was getting irritated. Like, pick a box out, you know, one of those. And I didn't want it too big because I didn't want to, you know, spend that much money. And I didn't want it too small and look like a cheapskate. So you find the right one. And I brought it there and I wrapped it up. I'm sure that looked interesting too. And that was before gift bags. That is a cop-out, gift bags. I understand the ladies' Christmas party, easy to get out and out, but I'm telling you, I had to wrap those things. I am not a wrapper at all, so it, was, it probably looked horrible, especially when it's a Valentine shape. You, how do you wrap those? So I gave it to the bodyguard who gave it to her, and she opened it up, and I thought, oh, this is great, and this is gonna, she's going to come over and say thank you, and instead all she did was eat all the chocolates with her friends, and I was, like, disappointed in that. And so, you know, then I... I talked to her the next day, you know, hi, and uh, then she handed me a note. I go, oh, this is the first note I got from her. And she just said in there, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> I'm mad alive. I just gave her a box of, apparently whatever chocolates I gave her were not acceptable, that's what I'm assuming. But then you go through that crush, oh, you know, and we like to tell kids, oh, that's not a big deal. Uh, it is a big deal when you're a kid. I heard Brian Regan, yes, I like Brian Regan, he talked about, you know, when a child loses a balloon and everybody goes, and the child goes, my balloon! And we're like, it's just a balloon. And he's like, what if your wallet, like, floated away? Would you just do that? Oh, it's just your wallet. Don't worry about it. You know, it's just your car keys. To a kid, that balloon is a huge deal, you know, to them. Those first loves that we have. And it's an innocent love in a lot of ways. It's an awkward love. It's, an, it's hard to understand love. But it's always led by actions. It's always, a part of that is always actions. You can't just say somebody you love them and do nothing about that. I can't tell you I love my wife and then you ask her, well, how does John show you he loved you? And he's, she's like, I really can't think of anything. It's going to be followed by actions. And you can't say you love your brothers and sisters in Christ and say, well, I'm so busy with my life, Pastor John, I just can't do it. I can't do anything for them. Because that's not what the Bible says, folks. And I weary that we blame our culture on our inability to be obedient to what God tells us to do. Guys, this isn't a book of suggestions. If you're a child of God, this is our rule book, our guidebook, our, our directions for what we do, or it's not. You don't get to cut and paste. Again, when I was a kid, I loved those books that choose your own adventure. And you'd make a choice and turn to page so-and-so and it would tell you how your end was, how it ended, what the next step was. You can't do that to the Bible. It makes it very clear. Do this or do that and there's results from it. But love doesn't sit idle. It acts. And as you live out the Christian life, it should be involved with other believers. You can't live your life and if we go week to week and never have any contact with our siblings, then you don't know them because you're not investing any time to know them. Another reason that we should be at church faithfully, that we should get involved in our second hour equipping hour, plugged into gap groups, coming out to the two, four, two weekends, those are all ways that you can grow in your knowledge of Christ, but you can get to know your family. And if we feel disconnected from our family and don't know how to love each other, it's probably because we're not spending time together. So I just want to challenge you. You can't say, hey, I know I'm supposed to love my brother. And then I ask you, so what did your week look like? How did you show love to your brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ? And if your excuse is, I was just too busy. I have this going, I have that. And I understand we have seasons of life. I understand things come up. But we can't ignore the commands of Scripture. And he made it as, an, as a just a normal, like, duh. You love the Father, you're going to love your siblings. It's a natural progression of what we do here. We know 
that will love the children of God, and when we love God and obey his commandments. Now there's the next one, the third mark. You'll keep his commandments. You'll keep his commandments. So you see it goes on. What Christ did, the word to love the Father because of what Christ did, and if we believe what Christ did and personally accept it, we're his child, which means our Father is God now, and then he goes, you're gonna from that love your brothers and sisters, and then from that he says, and he puts them again together there. What's he say? This is the love of God, I'm sorry, I jumped down a verse on uh, another section. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. See, his commandments are for our benefit. He laid these things out because he loved us. Parents, when your children are young and you live in a busy street, you just tell them, hey, go pay with the ball in the front yard. If it goes in the street, just go take the risk. Live life. I love you. I'm just going to give you the freedom to do whatever you want to do. No, you don't do that. You don't let your children play with light sockets. You don't let them put their hands on hot stoves. You do things. You don't let them fall. Put, you blockade your stairs like you're trying to blockade a fort from enemies because of how crafty those little buggers can be to get up there. But you do that, why? Because you don't want your child to experience the freedom of the stairs? No, you don't want to experience the crashing of down of the stairs. You do it because you love them. Do we always see the rules that our parents place in our life in love? Absolutely not. Why do I have to be in by this time? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? Why can't I do this? That's a constant that's going to go from generation to generation, the what, why's. And sometimes we have great answers, and other times we really is just because I said so. But keeping his commandments are for our benefit. And you'll see that faith produces love, and love produces obedience. Did you hear that? Faith produces love, and love produces obedience. And this verse puts love and obedience side by side. There's that and that joins them together. You cannot have one without the other. Love now leads to obedience. They're together. So what are some of the ways that we can show that, are, that we know are God's commandments? They're all over the scriptures, aren't they? Some of them are easier than others. Now, we like to, in some cases, say this, like, for instance, the Bible says we're not supposed to have any other gods before us. Well, you come to my house, I don't have any idols set up. But my guess is we all struggle with idol worship to some extent. We just have different idols nowadays. We have idols that can even be good things. Family can become an idol. Church can become an idol. Our job can become an idol. A sport or a hobby can become an idol. A spouse can become an idol. A child can become an idol. These things can become idols in our life, and we're not then, we're breaking God's commandments because we're placing something in front of God. Some are harder, forgiving our enemies doing kind things to those who do mean things to me. Those are more difficult things to do. The Bible says we're supposed to pursue an erring brother or sister. That's not easy. And yet, in God, the, the results are amazing. Be active in others' lives, the Bible says. Think of all the one another's in Scripture that he's laid out there. Supporting his church, he talks about. Those are all commandments that he gives now, there are many, but how come this focus here is on commandments? Because love produces a desire to obey. 
Now, it also is interesting in the last part of this verse, verse number three, it says this, his commandments are not burdensome. Now, the list I read, some of you might go, wow, are you kidding me? Those are a burden. So it's interesting that he ends with this thought, saying they're burdensome. And why is that interesting? There's two reasons for that. First of all, the Jews were coming from man-made, law-based religion. A man-made, law-based religion. So he's talking to the Jews, and they're coming from a religion that's man-made and law-based. It was all about keeping you in the box. It was taking an unregenerate, immoral people and trying to give them a moral framework to live within. It was designed to be able to help the non-believing stay within the confines of understanding truly who God, Jehovah, was and how to be obedient to him and how to protect themselves. And if you read the Old Testament, you're gonna see a lot of laws that are very practical. Some things as odd as what to do with the um, a waste of human beings and how to deal with that so the disease isn't spread. How to deal with leprosy is, is, is in there. How to deal with broken relationships. It's got all kinds of stuff. How to deal with manslaughter and murder. And they had all refuge cities. There's all kinds of stuff that's laid out there as commandments to the people to try to help them know how to live life in the best way possible that God designed. But he knew as he talked to these Jews that that's where they came from. And he wanted them to remember that these commandments that they had now in front of them were birthed out of love. How do we show love to each other? These commandments are to help love. Why do we chase an erring brother? Love. Why do I have to forgive my enemy? Love. Why do I willing to serve other people? Love. See, when it's not burdensome, the first thing is it's because it's driven by love, not obligation. And if I start not wanting to love my wife right, it's not because my wife isn't lovable, it's because John's a sinner and I'm selfish and I want my way and we get into this, which I deal with with couples. Well, if my wife would just, then I would. If my husband would just, then I will. See, again, there's a problem. I don't see that in scripture. It has love without qualifications. Now, the second reason is that Christ said it would be easy. You're like, oh yeah, where? Thank you for asking that question. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 30 says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven thirty. When obedience is driven by love, then we're eager to do what we can to obey. It's, if it's hard, it's because of our own sinful mindset creeping in and poisoning us, poisoning us to the joys of obeying Christ. Hey, folks, God wants us to enjoy this journey. He doesn't have us on this earth to try to make us suffer until we die. And there is suffering in the world, and there's suffering in our life, but the enjoyment comes from keeping my focus on Jesus Christ. Faith produces love, and love produces obedience, obeying his commands. The last thing I want to share with you is in verses four and five. You already won. I would have loved to have gone into a sporting event as a young person and know going into it I was going to win. We have the phrase we hear a lot being in football season. I guess if you are into college sports, it would be any, in any given Saturday. But in pro football, they say on any given Sunday. And we are always amazed how some of the best teams on a certain Sunday can get beat by some of the worst teams. And we're like, wow, how did that happen? Because on any given Sunday, there's no guarantees. 
That's why people take polls when they have fall, um, March Madness, and sometimes there's always going to be, not sometimes, there's always some sort of upset that takes place. You can't count on that stuff. We don't know for sure. You can't go into any game ever and go, yeah, we're absolutely positively going to win, unless the other team doesn't show up. Yeah, you won. Why? By default. Okay, yeah, I guess you can call that one. But folks, as Christians, we've already won. Why? Because he did it on the cross. He paid the penalty. He took our sins. We're winners. We're overcomers because of what he did for me. I didn't have to do anything. So that's why it's easier to go, yeah, obey him. Why wouldn't I obey him? Look what he did for me. So yeah, if he loved me enough, like Rick said, that he would send his son to die, then it can't be hard for me to love other people. I just have to deal with the stinking rotten flesh. But the power of God is greater than the flesh. Victory is certain in our lives. Now here's where this gets super exciting. Everyone who loves God. Go back to verse one. Remember what it says there? Read here in verse number four. For everyone who's been born of God does what? Overcomes the world. So what is the world? It's the way of living that is contrary to the Bible. Now we're not talking John 3, 16 world, which is just mankind. Now we're talking about a cultural mindset, a selfish mindset, a self-driven one, one that the, that the devil, Satan, is involved in. That's the world that we can overcome the devil has influenced it, and it is because we are self-driven. That's that world. It's not all evil, but it'll distract you and I from doing what Christ wants us to do. For everyone, verse 4, who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. That word faith goes back to verse one again. What's that faith in? Faith that Jesus is the Christ, because it says right here, continue on, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And that's not a belief of just a head knowledge, folks. It's an embracing fully, totally, not just I know Jesus died on the cross, I believe and have accepted him as my Savior. I've become regenerate, I'm a new child in Jesus Christ. And we are created to worship Christ and Christ alone. He's to be the center and focal point of our lives. And he's the victor over the world. But our victory is limited, folks. You say it's limited? How can you say it's limited? Well, again, look at the last part of verse five. It says this, well, the whole verse five. Who is it that overcomes the world? Who's the ones that overcome the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that have that relationship with him. Nobody else is guaranteed victory. In fact, there is no victory. That's why it's limited. It's limited only to those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're his son. You're his daughter. And if you're his son or his daughter, then you will experience this victory. You did in salvation, but you will on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, I rarely do this. I like to look for different ways to add flavor and to bring kind of home the different points that we have. And uh, I go through video clips and I rarely show them. But there is one that I really want to show as we kind of wrap up the service today that I think draws everything we just talked about today and will punch you in the face. <laughs> and I just want to encourage you to listen and then I'll come up at the very end and just have a few questions for you to consider as we wrap up our service today. Let's play that video.
get saved because then you won't. And I got saved and kept on doing. So then where am I supposed to go? Because apparently Jesus doesn't work for me. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll work through this. But I'm not letting you go in the meantime. Oh, we'll get there. I'll finish it. I started it. I'll be faithful to finish. Don't give up. Keep walking. Keep pressing in. Keep confessing. But don't give up. I'll heal you. I won't let you go. There is no one who can condemn you. I don't. And if I don't, no one can. Who will even bring a charge against you? Your mind. What court could they possibly charge you in? Everything's mine. And he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree. Bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, eternity looked upon me foreseeing my fallenness my pride my sin and said I want that man in my family I would do anything to get him in my family I will pay for him to be in my family with my son's life that's love folks that is mega off the charts love loves you. That, that's why. We've got this weird compartmentalization thing that happens where you don't think that God sees all that you are or that if he could have somehow knew who you were going to be, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. Um, listen, God knew you were going to be messy. Uh, Christ knew that you were going to be messy. God, God knows that you're going to screw up often. He knows that you're going to be drawn to things that are wicked. He knows that's what the cross is all about. It's the whole point of the cross is that you're going to fail and you're going to stumble and you're going to feel dirty and you're going to feel awkward. And you're gonna, the whole point of the cross of Christ is there be this mighty picture of his love and pursuit of you despite you. So the cross is necessary because of you, but it's also 
the picture we have of just how far God is willing to go because he loves you. somehow we've got off and there's all this talk about morality and people are conforming themselves to these moral codes but they don't know Jesus who cares it's the resurrection of Christ that justifies that's why it's so important that's why it's so big it proves that all the wrath of God was poured out it's gone for the elect it's gone there is no more wrath there's, there's none so Jesus sees you and he's like my son my daughter perfect, spotless, blameless. loves us so much that he sent Christ to die on the cross. And John wanted to make sure that the folks he was talking to got that as he wrapped up his letter to them. And that's the message that we all need to hear. And my questions to you as we wrap up things is, are you an overcomer? Christian, are you an overcomer? Are you allowing Jesus Christ to work in and through you and to break the bonds and the chains day by day, that try to encircle you because this world wants to do everything it can to pull you down? Have you gotten so wrapped up in your world that you are not taking the time to really invest in the loving others, the growing in your love for God, the things that are necessary to be an overcomer? What's defeating you? What's defeating you? What's knocking you down every day? Is it an addiction? Is it a friend? Is it laziness, lack of discipline? What's defeating you in your life where you're seeing the devil take swaths of territory in your life when he doesn't own it? You give it to him. Because if we're a blood-bought child of God, then he is, we are his completely. What's defeating you? How are you going to apply what you've heard? If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, not you don't know about God, not you don't believe that Jesus is Christ, but you've never come to that point where you've crossed from academic knowledge to personal relationship, I want to encourage you to do that today. 
If you're a Christian, I want to encourage you today to not be overwhelmed by what you heard in a negative way, but in a positive way about how much God loves us and how much mercy he gives and how much we have an opportunity to take what we glean today and go out and live it throughout the week, knowing we don't have to do it in our own power. It comes from the power of Jesus Christ. How will you apply what you've heard? I encourage you, these are powerful verses. Chew on them. Go over them. Read them. Post them. Have them available to you. But don't just academically embrace them. If Monday rolls around and you've already forgotten, my challenge to you, believer, is how are you making Christ the center of your life, not off in the spare bedroom of your life? That's not where he belongs. He's your savior. Let's pray. Lord, as we wrap up our message today, I pray, God, first of all, for anyone that's here who doesn't have a personal relationship with you, that today, God, would be their spiritual birthday. That they'd be able to look back and to see that on November 24th, 2019, they came and began a personal relationship with you. And each person here has that spiritual birth date that has a relationship with you, God. And I pray, Father, for those Christians that are feeling defeated and overwhelmed and overcome rather than being overcomers, God. Help us to realize that you've done it all. We just have to obey. We don't have to make up rules, Father. We don't have to try to figure out what we should or shouldn't do. We just have to look at what you've laid out, and then we have to do it. So help us, Lord, to have the supernatural power that comes from the Spirit of God in us to be able to allow us to accomplish these things, God. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for loving us. We are undeserving, but because of you, Lord, we have redemption. Thank you, Father. In your precious name, amen.